KMOX Sports. Young swings and lifts a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Live. It's a grand slam! Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. Welcome into Sports Open Line for a, a Tuesday night. Joe Pot with you tonight in for Matt Pauley, who's, well, he's moving around the day parts here a little bit this week as everybody kind of shuffles some things. Glad that some folks could get some time away, some time off. Hopefully the holidays have been good to you so far, been great for me. So I uh, hope that's the case for everybody out there uh, as well. So I've got you tonight for the next couple of hours. Uh, Matt Polly will be back this week as well, um, and all kinds of good stuff going on as we kind of move through this holiday break. And sports a little bit does this uh, as well. Little, little, f- fewer games kind of through the uh, holiday portion. The Blues actually are back on the ice tonight. They get their holiday break uh, kind of right around that Christmas holiday. So the Blues are back, and uh, we'll hear a little bit here coming up in just a few uh, minutes from Craig Berube. He did have some. Uh, he did have a chance to meet with media here earlier today after the Blues had uh, practice. In fact, uh, one of his mentions, it's really the only practice, only ice time they've had, too, over this holiday break is just this kind of game day uh, practice here to get set for a very good team in the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that's second in the Atlantic Division coming into this one tonight. And we'll hear his thoughts on the Maple Leafs, uh, some injuries to uh, get to good and bad for the Blues. The news is good and bad for the Blues. That is the uh, bad news is that Tory Krug is out and he's going to be out for an extended period of time. So he is out for at least six weeks. He's got a uh, lower body injury and he will be reevaluated in six weeks. Uh, so that's going to be a, a tough blow for the Blues. And this is what uh, Craig Bruby said today on uh, losing Tory Krug. Yeah, it's a tough break, obviously, for him and for the team, for sure. Is that the shot clock there at the end of the game? Possibly, yeah. Chief, what do you lose in a power play without Krug and kind of holes? Well, he's been a good power play guy his whole career, and um, I think he he just he's one step ahead all the time with where the puck's going. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, he moves it quick. He knows where it's going, knows where it should go. That's important, um, but you know, Falker's done a good job in the PP, and uh, you know, we'll start. We'll use Perinko on the other unit, and um, he's got to use his shot. That's the biggest thing for me with uh, Colton is um, he's got to use his shot. So that was after practice earlier today. Craig Berube talking about uh, losing Tory Krug, and as you heard that first question, I think it was from Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic asking about whether it happened on that last hit in the Vegas game, the the game at uh, Vegas. And uh, they said, he said, maybe, of course, because the NHL is always going to be so vague about in, in injuries and uh, what's going on. So he said, maybe that that's might be where it came from, which it seems pretty uh, obvious that that's at least had something to do with it. So again, that's a, that's a break for the uh, tough break for the blues. Now the good side of that is that they are in fact expected to have back their leading scorer, and that is Jordan Cairo. He'll be a game-time decision tonight. Yeah, he looked good out there. He felt good. So just see how the day goes for him, and uh, we'll make a decision later. He didn't do rushes, but did power play. Was that? Uh, just he wanted to get going and see how he felt first. And so when he felt good, I thought it would be a good idea to put him on the power play and so he gets his reps. 
So that is what Craig Berube had to say about it, that he was a game-time decision. But everything else is pointing to the fact that he is going to be in the lineup. He's in the projected lineup that the Blues have uh, released. He said earlier today himself, a couple of reporters saying that he said he's playing tonight. So we fully expect to see Jordan Cairo back. So that is obviously a big deal. He is their leading scorer, 24 points. Uh, that's not right. He is their leading scorer, but he's got 32 points, 16 goals, and a 16 assists for him as well. So that is a certainly a plus, the good news uh, for the Blues, who Craig Bruby said uh, need to be strong coming out of this break. Well, I think you only get a little, you know, obviously a short practice, you know, day of the game. Um, you got to... You gotta have the mindset of um, you know going out there early on and playing a simple game. I think getting your feet and your hands under you and get some timing down—that's the biggest thing. How how'd the team look uh, today? I know you have you, already said when they have a few days off, maybe it takes a while to get the hands working. No, I mean I think um, it was about fifty-fifty out there for the hands, but I thought it was a good jump. I thought the guys were energized and had good energy out there today. That is Craig Berube just talking about coming back uh, after this break and obviously facing a tough team in Toronto. Well, they got the top four there on the on the up front. Um, you know, Bunting's had a good has having a good year. He's a good player. He works hard, and but you know, obviously they're you know Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Tavares do most of the damage for scoring. Talking about Toronto, their opponent tonight, Toronto second in the Atlantic. Blues are now sixth in the uh, Central Division, and uh, that's coming up. That's a 7 o'clock face-off at Enterprise Center. We are going to talk to uh, Benjamin Hockman. He is at the Blues game covering the Blues tonight, so we'll get into this game with him, just kind of the outlook on where the Blues are and what they do uh, without Tory Krug for a while. Tyler Tucker is the immediate decision. He'll be recalled from Springfield so we'll talk to him about that as well uh, and get into a, a number of things with Benjamin Hockman, obviously a uh, columnist with uh, STL today in the Post-Dispatch. So we can talk to him about plenty of, of news and goings on uh, in that regard. We're also going to talk a lot of college basketball tonight. One of my specialties, if you will, uh, but we'll talk a lot of college basketball. Joe Lenardi is going to be joining the program also in this 6 o'clock hour. So it's a busy 6 o'clock hour. He, of course of uh, ESPN Bracketology fame. I think he's the only one that actually calls it bracket, that can call it Bracketology, I think, on ESPN. I'm not sure, but I think that he's the only one. He's got the actual Bracketology name. So we'll talk to him. Uh, He is also the analyst for St. Joseph's in uh, Pennsylvania and Philly, and that is where the Billikens open A-10 play. They open A-10 play on uh, New Year's Eve day. Uh, so we can talk to him certainly a little bit about the Billikens, a lot about the Atlantic 10 Conference, and I think the entire uh, Atlantic 10 Conference. We know the Billikens have not quite lived up to expectations. I think you can say the same for the entire Atlantic 10 Conference and certainly the upper half of the Atlantic 10 Conference, who right now, Joe Lenardi's got pegged as a one-bid league. So we can talk to him about that as well. Uh, we'll talk to him about all of the kind of local teams here as well, Mizzou, Illinois, both in the field uh, pretty comfortably right now. I think that's, I, I think certainly with Illinois, that's expected. I think maybe less so with Mizzou um, is that expected to be comfortably in the field, but they are according to Joe Lenardi. And as I said, that this is uh, when conference play gets going. So you get a little bit more. Uh, I think you find out 
you know, much more as conference play gets started. And, and I love conference play simply because every single night, much more important games every single night, you know, something unexpected comes. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen for the most part. There's just some really good stories that come out of conference play. So fun time of year for college basketball, just getting started. We'll visit with him. We'll also talk with uh, Charles Boehm. He is a uh, a soccer writer. That's the best way to put it because you can find his stuff all over the place, primarily MLSsoccer.com, but he's got pieces all over the place, and we'll talk to him about a lot of things. I want to get into the uh, U.S. national team coming off the World Cup and kind of where he feels like they stand. I want to get a lot into what is happening next and what does happen next for St. Louis City as they get closer to uh, getting into training camp and starting their first season here as a member of MLS. But coming up next, as we mentioned, we're going to visit with Benjamin Hockman of STL Today and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We'll start talking about the Blues, and we'll get into uh, whatever else comes. It's Sports Open Line here on a Tuesday night. I'm Joe Pott. This is KMOX. It's Nam's Billikens Basketball. New Year's Eve Day. Catch the action as they take on St. Joseph's. Pre-game 1147. Tip at noon. Hear it here on your home for Billikens Basketball. King of OX. That's a, that's a live look-in right down the street uh, there at Enterprise. Nah, probably not. But uh, the Blues do play tonight. They're back after the holiday break. Joe Pot with you. Sports Open Line continuing here on KMOX. And uh, we're going over to Enterprise Center, as a matter of fact. Uh, covering the game for STL Today and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And kind enough to take some time uh, with us tonight. Benjamin Hockman on the uh, other are on the line with us here. And Benjamin, I appreciate you taking some time here. Uh, on the Quiver River guest line. Always fun being on Camelot. How are you, Joe? I am doing well. Uh, the Blues, man, I don't know what to make. I swear, I, I've hosted a couple of times in the evenings. I've done some mornings, and it just depends on the day on what news I'm reporting on for the Blues. They have been the streaky of all streaky as uh, as far as this team. They're coming off a nice road trip, 3-1-1 one one on that uh, West Coast uh, road trip, but at this point in time, as we come back after the holiday break, what do you make of this team as it currently stands? I think it's quite simple. Uh, at times, they're the uh, hottest team in hockey. At times, <laughs> they're the coldest team in hockey. At times, they're the strongest. At times, they're the weakest. You never know. Um, it really is mind-blowing, just these, these peaks and valleys. But where we stand right now, we've got a team coming off a road trip with seven out of ten points that you probably wouldn't have thought they would have gotten seven out of ten points. So mm-hmm. give them credit for that. And uh, Jordan Cairo is expected to be back tonight. Yeah, that's the that's the good news. Uh, I, I mentioned at the top of the show the two you know the two big injury kind of news is is the good news is Jordan Cairo is coming back. You're getting your leading scorer back. The bad news is Tory Krug is not coming back anytime soon. He's going to be reevaluated in six weeks for what we believe probably was that hit late in the Vegas game. Um, so what do they do in the absence of of Tory Krug? Obviously, the the power play is going to change a bit. Yeah, I mean, right away, there's a church down the street, so you got to go there and uh, t- take care of business. And then, no, yeah, Pareko will be the, uh, the the top quarterback guy, or the second quarterback, if you will, on the power play. Justin Falk will be the top quarterback. And I don't know, I don't love Pareko on the power play. It makes you really miss Scott Perunovich, mm-hmm. uh, an up-and-coming Blues defender, defensive player who is injured uh, for most of this season. So, 
Yeah, but of course, a big loss, and and Krug and Krug and Falk, they were like uh, they were like a, a cop cop buddy duo from one of those TV shows in the '80s. They were just good friends, funny guys, worked well together, and uh, now Falk's without his his partner. Krug and Falk putting the bad guys on ice. Exactly. Well said, my friend. <laughs> Uh, Benjamin Hockman with us from STL Today and the Post-Dispatch. Uh, Tyler Tucker's been recalled in a corresponding move. Uh, he's really not done much with the Blues. Uh, he's only been in four games with the Blues, but uh, he'll be up kind of to, uh, to fill the roster spot as well. Is there anything else? I mean, do, do we expect any other kind of personnel moves as they work through this, or is it just a matter of kind of seeing you know, where this team goes over the next few games? The biggest question is, do they try to make a move for Jacob Chikrin? He plays for the Coyotes. He's on a great deal, a team-friendly deal, and the Coyotes have no use for good players right now. <laughs> They're trying to get draft picks. They're trying to build their team to be a competitive team in a couple of years, kind of like we saw with the Cubs or the Astros in baseball. So, yeah, they're looking to trade this guy, but they're going to need first-round draft picks or, or top prospects for him and the question is, do the St. Louis Blues make a move? You could have argued, Joe, that the Blues could have, could have made a deal for him or could have wanted him even before the Krug injury. Now you have to say, man, if the Blues this season are going to try to win the Stanley Cup and you're not going to have Krug for six weeks, maybe this is when you strike and you make a little uh, investment in, in the present and you lose a little bit from the future. And the fact that he is on a team-friendly deal at least makes it more of a Doug Armstrong kind of deal, doesn't it? Or at least makes it a little more enticing, I assume, for Doug Armstrong. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, he's not going to do something dumb. I mean, we're talking about a guy that didn't bring back the team's captain uh, because of financial reasons. So he's going to make a shrewd move every time, and more times than not, Doug Armstrong hits on his moves. Benjamin Hockman with us here from STL Today in the Post-Dispatch. And I I just kind of teased we could get into a lot of things with you. So I'm going to go a lot of college basketball later on in the show. But last week, both St. Louis uh, and the the St. Louis game, SIUE gets a big win there at St. Louis. The Bragging Rights game, Mizzou gets what I would definitely call an unexpected big win against Illinois. So local college hoops, uh, where do you stand on those uh, items and specifically on Mizzou because I think that was to me it was as surprising as any result. It was the game you thought Illinois was going to play right. against Mizzou. They came out, if you will, in the first round and just started punching them, and they didn't stop until <laughs> until the end of the what? What do they go? Fifteen these days? Fifteen <laughs> rounds? Twelve rounds? Yeah, they just kept at it. It was really impressive, and you know, I heading into the game, I knew that Mizzou led in steals nationally, number one in steals. And that's something, but um, it, it really showed in that game. And, and the committing turnovers, rattling the opponent. Look, I, I, as a columnist, I wasn't planning on driving to Columbia tomorrow for Kentucky at Mizzou, but now I am. It's, it's suddenly a pretty big game uh, if Mizzou can keep this going. And as for the other game you mentioned, how about SIUE? My man Sean Taylor, uh, one of the neatest experiences I had as a journalist was writing about Collinsville High School basketball culture. I spent some time out there and, and captured uh, what it was like over there across the river from a basketball standpoint, and Sean was the star there, and he was the, uh, one of the key players in the victory against Flew the other night. Now, obviously, I have a little bias uh, when it comes to SIUE, but 
<laughs> I I also believe that this is not as much sky is falling for St. Louis University as it in this as it is this being a much much improved SIUE basketball team. Nevertheless, they've lost four other games. You know, You're right. Slew is eight and five. Slew is eight and five, and I love Travis Ford. And I wrote about it in the paper that it's hard to watch the good guys struggling, if you will. Uh, but I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned that this could be his last year if if things don't change fast for that team. And they don't have a vocal leader. It's almost ironic they have the leader in the nation in assists in Yuri Collins. Yet Yuri uh, Collins isn't a vocal leader, isn't a team leader uh, from a, from a from a vocal standpoint, if you will. And uh, and they're lacking in that regard. They're lacking late in games. These decisions they're making, they're folding. We saw it in the in the game they should have won at Auburn. They went. One for 11 from the foul line and two for 11 from the three-point line in the second half of a, a game they should have won. We should have been talking about how great Slu is. And so, yeah, a lot of question marks heading into conference play. And I think that, you know, what you said there, folding, I think that's the thing probably that worries folks. And even in that SIUE game, up late in the second half, up big late in the second half or midway through the second half, and then to lose the game the way, you know, the fact that they did there, that, that certainly is concerning there uh can they can't let let me ask you this then can Travis Ford do anything in conference play you know because obviously or the way it looks right now the A-10 is going to be a one bid league you're probably going to have to win that conference tournament to get an NCAA bid but does that give does that keep Travis Ford here that's a good point and if you hear the uh organ in the background (laughs) things are getting going here at, uh, what do we call it now, Keel Center, Savage yes. Center, Scott, Enterprise, Enterprise Center. Um, yeah, I, uh, that's the thing. They, they could finish fourth in the uh, conference season, and you think he's fired, and they do really well and win the tournament, and he took them to the tournament, if you will. So, yeah, but I just think that if they're not competitive in this league, even if they do make a, a wild run, it's something you really got to consider because every year with this slew team, it's this is the year, this is the year. And they've yet to have uh, the year. Final thing for you, Benjamin Hockman with us here on Sports Open Line. Uh, you can follow him at Hockman, H-O-C-H-M-A-N, on Twitter. But uh, just to kind of switch gears a little bit, and, and obviously unfortunate to have to do this, you wrote a great piece, your column on Demetrius Johnson and on what kind of loss that was to this community. And it's it's not even a little bit sports. It is so much more uh, with what Demetrius Johnson has meant to this community. Um, I appreciated the piece and, and the words from Jackie Joyner-Kersey, but what a huge, huge loss that is for this town. There are certain people that devote their lives to helping others, and not just writing a check or shaking the right hand, but being boots on the ground and doing the hard work. Jackie Joyner-Kersey, of course, is one of them. DJ Demetrius Johnson was another and his heart will live on through his community service in st louis whether it's his family and friends donating turkeys on thanksgiving or toys on christmas and i grew up here in st louis and it just seemed like every month or so you'd hear about some event some charitable event involving demetrius johnson so his legacy will live on but what a loss i appreciate your words uh, there and i appreciate your words today as well in, in the post and on stl today and uh, thanks again for taking some time. I know you're getting set to cover the Blues tonight. Hopefully it's a uh, good one to cover this evening, and I, I, I'm i sure that we shall catch up again down the road. 
I'd enjoy it. Take care, Joe. Thank you very much. That's Benjamin Hockman of STL Today and the Post-Dispatch. Glad to hear from him. And uh, as I said, just glad to kind of touch base on a couple of things with him. But he is there to cover the Blues tonight. They get set uh, not quite, well, I guess a little bit less than a half an hour from now. They will be dropping the puck over at Enterprise Center against a very good uh, Toronto Maple Leafs team as they are back from holiday break. And, uh, well, we'll talk about that the rest of the week, I guess. Uh, We'll talk about that one uh, coming up the rest of the week. More to do here on uh, Sports Open Line. College basketball talk continuing when we come back from this break. We'll be visited. Uh, we'll be visiting with Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist, the original bracketologist from ESPN, and we'll get into all kinds of uh, good college basketball talk with him. I'm Joe Pot. It's Sports Open Line. This is Camo X. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. Yeah. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. Back in on a Tuesday night here on KMOX. Joe Pot with you. Sports Open Line continuing. And we appreciate uh, we appreciate Benjamin Hawkman joining us. We appreciate our next guest joining us as well. I imagine that... Uh, this guy is busy every night of the year, starting in probably the 1st of November all the way through and probably all the rest of the time. Anyway, he is Joe Lenardi at ESPN Lenardi on Twitter. He, of course, is uh, most famous for being the original bracketologist. Is that right? The original bracketologist, right? I think, Joe, that just means I'm the oldest. <laughs> and, uh, y- y- you know, I hear my kids talk about the OG, and then I think... Uh, <laughs> I should put my initials in there. Now, are you still doing radio for St. Joe's as well? Uh, well, to the extent that radio has morphed into, uh, you know, the ESPN Plus digital platform. Mm-hmm. So instead of traveling uh, and doing radio f- for road games in the Atlantic 10, uh, we're doing the ESPN Plus streaming telecast from Hagen Arena uh, into the visiting market, so I will have uh, the Hawks and the Billikens on Saturday from Philly. Okay, so that was actually uh, where I was going there. So we're going to get into a little A10 as well. I'm an A10 alum. I'm a Dayton guy, just FYI. So uh, I follow the I A10. Think I knew that. Uh, well, that's good. Then I'm glad I've put that out there. I've made that. I've made that known. Uh, I'm also my my main gig. I'm the play-by-play guy and communications guy for SIU Edwardsville. So. We're all excited about seeing SIUE in the bracket as well. Well, let me tell you, uh, they were in my bracket even before the win uh, at Chaffetz last week and certainly haven't done anything to hurt themselves and in a way could be benefiting, uh, y- you know, fr- from from the uh, absence in the league, right, of, of Belmont and Murray State. I mean, somebody's got to win that thing. Oh, 100%. you guys? Oh, 100%. I think that going into, and I, I honestly think it makes it even more intriguing when you get into conference play that it's going to be so wide open uh, for that league. And and I know you can say that. I mean, I think the Missouri Valley is going to be really intriguing with the addition of Belmont and Murray State. So there's no question about it. I want to ask you a couple of just general things. But the first thing is, has your job, has the has the bracketology side of your job, has that become easier as the committee has become kind of more open with the way it is making its decisions and, and kind of some of the things that go on behind the scenes with 
bringing in folks like yourself and some of the national media to kind of see that, pull back the curtain, if you will? I think it's gotten a little bit easier, but not for that reason. Uh, Joe, I think the the, the reason is uh, with net replacing RPI as the primary metric, there are fewer outliers in a given season. There, there are always outliers in, 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 in any statistical model if, if you're a numbers guy. Like Florida Atlantic right now has a top 10, top 12 net. Right. I think most of us in basketball would go, yeah, they're, they're a good team, but they're not 10 or 11 or 12. And, and with fewer of those kinds of teams showing up in the rating systems, they're less likely to throw us a curveball on selection Sunday. I also believe, and I can't really document this, it's just, you know, having, being in the unusual position of observing this pretty closely for longer than anybody else, I suppose. Um, You know, we're getting fewer former coaches who are becoming ADs, who are becoming commissioners, we're getting, you know, more bureaucrats and administrators in these roles and then ascending to the committee. And I think they tend to go by the numbers a little bit more than their predecessors. Uh, and in a way, that has reduced the variance in terms of the committee's performance. And finally, uh, I, I, I think the existence of bracketology, not me per se, but you know, the hundreds of other people who, you know, kind of joined on to this extended community, if you will, uh, these men and women in the room, like, let's be honest, they get up that weekend and, and they don't want to turn on their TV and hear knuckleheads like me saying they did a crappy <laughs> job. M- most people get up in the morning and don't say to themselves, hey, I hope I'm lousy today, right? We most say, hey, let's have a pretty good day. And and I think that I think that in general, the transparency and to a certain extent the mock selections that occurred for a number of years were part of that, but but that was the beginning of a trend, not kind of the trend itself. So what was your best year as far as accuracy? Uh twenty thirteen was the only time in the 68 team era that I've gotten all 68. Uh, but, but actually the last couple of years, I tend to go more by seating and geography mm-hmm. when I grade myself, because that's harder. Um, y- you know, those last couple teams in a given year, were really flipping a coin. And, you know, I could stick my chest out in the 68 for 68 year, but I could be way off on a bunch of team seeds, whereas I could miss a team or two. And on average, I miss about a team and a half a year, a little better than that. But but if I can get, you know, into the 60s, and I think 64 this past year, on or within one line of their actual seed, uh, I feel pretty good about that because the committee is permitted, of course, to move a team one line in either direction. They don't do it as much as they used to, uh, but they can do it to, to avoid rematches and teams from the same conference meeting too early 
in the tournament or projected to meet too early in the tournament. So I grade myself the same way. And, uh, you know, as long as, as long as the good folks in Bristol want me back, and uh, as long as, as my wife and children recognize me at the end of the season, uh, we'll call that a success. So when you talk about some of those teams that, you know, the outliers and the, the, the I think the word you used earlier today on, on Twitter was the pretenders. I, I think of a team like Missouri, who you have in as a number nine uh, in, the, in Columbus. So I think a team like that, it here watching them, having seen them in person, I would have said they're a pretender. Certainly going into that Bragg and Rights game last week, it was as good of a game, certainly defensively as I think as I think Missouri has played. What have you seen in Missouri that, that you like about the Tigers? Certainly that result, those single results, both Illinois and you know, the UCF win mm-hmm. uh was a good win also. Uh, and will probably hold up in the quad one category. So, so you know, to do that at Wichita State, at this point, Joe, compensates, frankly, for what would normally be a disqualifying non-conference schedule. Um, I mean, I get it. The job was open for a reason. Sure, yeah. New coach, want to get off to a good start. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I advise the handful of coaches and schools that I work with in the off season on scheduling, I always say the worst sin is to be better than you think and play the wrong schedule because that opportunity will never come back. Right. You know, if, if you're a school that goes almost every year and you go nine times out of 10 instead of 10, because you screwed up the schedule, I think that that's a ding, you know, that that's a black mark. And, and if you're in Missouri and, and you go maybe four or five times out of ten, but you could make it six, you know, they, they could come to rue this. But, but you know, it's right in front of them starting in about 24 hours, right, when, when Kentucky comes in. Yep. And then I think they go to Arkansas after that, three of their first five away. The SEC is just loaded. So at the end of the day – you know, can they get nine or ten wins in the SEC? If so, then their schedule isn't going to be what keeps them out. Because you can't win double-digit games in the SEC without getting enough of the right ones right. to see your name on Selection Sunday. Right, yeah. So let's talk about that. The Atlantic 10 uh, and St. Louis and St. Joe's get together on New Year's Eve day. Uh, first conference game, at least for the Billikens, I assume as well for the Hawks. Um, and it it, at least as you have it right now, it's a one bid league in the Atlantic 10. And I, I imagine that getting into conference play, it's kind of hard for that to change very much, right? Yeah, it's not going to change a ton. And it's hard for me to imagine uh, after, you know, beating up the A-10 and it beat up itself by being so poor in the non-conference mm-hmm. last year. Uh that it could get worse, uh, but it did. You know, two teams that, I mean, Dayton was ranked at the start of the year and Slew was knocking on the door. Uh, you know, I thought Dayton, I thought they both had Sweet 16 potential, to be honest. Now, Dayton's been injured to a large degree, and, and that has hurt them. Uh, 
But there's something about the Billikens, and I see them a lot, and, and, and I work with Travis Ford and his staff in the offseason and, and, and feel pretty connected to the program. Uh, the whole is not equal to the sum of the parts, at least not yet. And, you know, then you have a, a, a couple of head scratchers, like uh, all due respect. Nope. If, totally. if you think you're going to be an at-large team, you can't lose at home to Edwardsville. Not a question about you it. Just, you just can't. And and you've got to somehow hang on at Auburn when, when you've got them down in the second half. And and, and you have to win at home uh, against Boise. And, and the irony is that, you know, last year, Slew won at Boise, and it helped them tremendously. Uh, and, and you, you know, they were – Boise was a tournament team, so – you know, the schedule was the right one. There were maybe six or seven games, and, and, and you got to win three or four of them, and they really only won two of them, Memphis and Providence. And you take one away with the bad loss to Edwardsville. I'm not going to ding them for Iona, although the the score was pretty ugly. Uh, and now, where are the big wins coming from in the league? You know, for either Dayton or SLU to get an at-large at this point, they almost have to sweep the other one. Right. Uh, and if I were the commissioner of the Atlantic 10, I would actually be hoping that each wins on the other's court because then they each get a quad one win out of the deal, and the league is sorely in need of some more of that. Now, the other quad one games could emerge for the Billikens. You know, Richmond away could could slide up and, and be in that category. Uh, you, you know, maybe Loyola Chicago turns it around uh, from from to back to where we thought they'd be. I mean, the Atlantic Times does a great job of pairing up its best teams or its projected best teams to play each other as often as possible in the 18-game league season. Uh, but if those aren't good enough games, all the manipulation in the world isn't going to change the end result. And this league hasn't been a one-bid league, if I'm not mistaken, since 05 or 06. And, you know, they, they've dodged that bullet a few times recently by having the best team in the regular season not win the conference tournament and getting a, a, a second team in that way. Like last year, Richmond beat Davidson in the final, and they both got in. Otherwise, it would have been one bid in all uh, likelihood. But, you know, now uh, I'm not sure there is an obvious at-large team to get in, uh, even if everything breaks correctly. Like when the Atlantic 10 automatic qualifier, whether it's St. Louis or Dayton, at this point, checks in as a 13, right? that's that's not good. Well, Joe, I appreciate you taking some time tonight. Uh, I know we could go longer. We could talk about all kinds of other aspects of, of what you do and, and how much fun I think it is and how much fun it is to follow. Uh, conference basketball season is fantastic. For those of us that follow it closely, it. yes, there's no question about it. Uh, a fun couple of months ahead. Do I know why? The two... Yeah, road game. Yeah, you got it. No but, question. You know, now now it gets serious. This is why the pretenders go away. Like, there's no more Lindenwoods. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. 
well, I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, I need a break because of time, but have a great call on New Year's Eve day against the Billikens. Have a great rest of the uh, A-10 season and bracketology season, and we, uh, we're just pushing closer and closer to March. Here we go. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much. That is Joe Lenardi from ESPN at ESPN Lenardi on Twitter. Great to catch up with him. More to do on Sports Open Line. We'll wrap up the 6 o'clock hour when we come back. I'm Joe Pott. This is Camo X. This is America's Sports Voice. KMOX. <laughs> With you here on a Tuesday night, Camo X Sports Open Line continues. Appreciate uh, both of our first two guests uh, joining us here tonight. And honestly, I mean, seriously, I could have gone on with Joe Lenardi for uh, the rest of the show. I'm not kidding. And I think that uh, I think that he has enough um, knowledge and info that uh, he could have as well. There were other things I kind of wanted to get into, and I just didn't have the opportunity to get into him, though. Makes a really good point. He said it on Twitter too. The best thing about college basketball season, it's not it's not what I would have said or would have thought of initially. And I think it's because I'm coming at it from a little bit of a, of a different angle. But he said road games, right? So, uh, in his words, there are no more Linden Woods. There's no more that opportunity to, you know, bring it in. And and that's what he was also referring to when talking about Mizzou's schedule, right? That you want to make sure that you're not in a position where you're like, man, we're better than we thought we were going to be, but your schedule doesn't allow you to take advantage of that. Um, and that's, you know, again, when you look at Mizzou, that that would be the one knock. And I think that's what everybody thought maybe why they could have been sort of in that pretender category. They've had a couple of those wins. I think Illinois certainly capped that off. And what a way to finish off the non-conference season. But the idea was first-year head coach, we're going to bring in several senior transfers, older guys, grad transfers, whatever it is, and we're going to pile up some wins, and we're going to pile up some wins before we get into SEC play. In the process, they piled up some good wins before they go into SEC play. Uh, Benjamin Hockman made the same point. He wasn't initially planning on driving to Columbia tomorrow to cover the first SEC game of the year. Now he is, and that's because of what the Tigers did in that non-conference, uh, in that non-conference schedule, and those wins, and certainly the win against Illinois was the topper on that. So now it will be interesting t- for me to see what they do in the SEC. And as Joe Lenardi said, it's almost it's near impossible to get to double-digit wins in the SEC without picking up some of those wins that, from this point now, you need some of those wins that you need to kind of check those boxes. And then on the other side of that, it's sort of opposite that in the Atlantic 10 right now for St. Louis University, because it's not likely that another good challenger is going to emerge. Dayton is there right now, but it's not what you expected Dayton to be at this point. They're in the low 80s in the net ranking. St. Louis is just uh, a little bit over 100 right now in the net rankings. So, And that's that's the the top of the... Atlantic 10, and it's, again, well lower than you expected both of those teams to be at this point going into conference play. We can talk more college basketball coming up next hour. We also are going to get some uh, soccer talk with Charles Boehm coming up as well. 7 o'clock hours next on X.